Hey everyone, welcome back to Land Investing Online, where we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. For more information, visit landinvestingonline.com to join our free Discord with tons of successful investors. Come learn from the best. Again, guys, please subscribe and like our YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you guys are listening on. It really drives our business forward and means a lot to Ron and I. As always, I'm Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Welcome back, Ron. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Before we get into it, this episode, which is getting deals from a mispriced mailer. Um, before we get into that, let's go over a question from one of our members at Land Investing Online. Question is, I have a deal with one person on the deed who is dead. Can I still buy the land? So I assume they mean there's more than one person on the land and one of them is dead, right? Is that what this is saying, Ron? That's what it sounds like, Dan. And I'm going to answer the question based on uh, that assumption. So let's say uh, husband and wife, it's probably the most common thing. Husband and wife, one of them passed away. Can you still buy this land? Does it have to go through probate? Um, a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, so one thing that's very important is there are things on deed where it's there's right of survivorship. So it's JTROS is a common term, joint tenant with right of survivorship. Um, so what that's saying is, yes, if the second person, if one person on the deed passes away, the second person has 100 percent. If it, if that is the case for this, um, you 100 percent can buy this. All they need typically is a death certificate uh, for that to confirm that the person passed away. Um, so what it's going to say, it, it usually words something like that. So you'll read the deed and it'll say, um granted or the grantee is whatever john smith and jane smith um for i don't know what the exact wording is um sometimes it says like for the remainder of their life and after or something like that um sometimes it does actually say with right of survivorship on there so you'll read the deed and see that if that is on there you are more than okay assuming those are the only two people on the deed um but to answer the question like that's the one thing you need to look for if there's not right of survivorship, let's say it's a brother or something like that, two brothers or whatever, some other more extended family um, and one passed away and there's not right of survivorship, then it might need to go through probate and that's going to be a little more difficult. It's still possible, but uh, a lot of times that is going to need probate or at least an affidavit of heirship. So you'll have to talk to a title company, but if it's right of survivorship, you should be able to bring that to the title company right away and they know what to do. You'll just need a death certificate. Um, but it, it sounds like it's they, there's a pretty good chance that this deal goes through. A lot of deeds are right of survivorship. Awesome. Yeah, great answer. All right, let's hop into it, guys. Today's topic, getting deals from a missed price mailer. So what do we mean by mispriced? I guess we're saying, are you overpriced or underpriced? Are we going to talk about both options today, Ron? What do you What do you want to get started with? Yeah, I think uh, I think both because they both happen for sure. Like underpricing is overpricing is very com I'm trying to think overpricing is very common for newer members, I think, or new people. Underpricing is just something that happens every once in a while. Maybe you don't know the market. So I think, yeah, Dan, talking about both of them would be important. OK, and I think the biggest yeah, the biggest thing is, are you still getting calls? Because if, if you, that's the main difference between these two, I think, Um is if you're overpriced, you're going to get a lot more calls, a lot more deals. If you're underpriced, you might not get as many calls. Hopefully you get some, um, but we've had mailers where we've significantly underpriced and barely got any feedback at all. 
um, barely got any calls, maybe a couple hate here and there, but no legit leads at all. Um, so first, let's talk about overpriced. What what I guess you're getting a lot of calls if you're overpriced. So we'll start with that. Um, maybe you're getting hopefully you're getting a lot of PAs as well. Let's talk about what to do. Now you're overpriced, you have PAs, and you're a little nervous because you know you overpriced and you don't feel good about this. Yeah, so I think it, it happens. Like that's the main thing then, whether it's your first mailer or your hundredth mailer. Um, I was talking to our salesperson or one of our new salespeople probably a week ago or something. And I was telling him like, I, I typically don't overprice things. I don't underprice like, and then I did recently overprice some mail in a certain area, a new area that we went to. Once you know an area, like overpricing is a lot fewer and far between. But as you try new areas, like you might overprice or underprice. Um, but we're talking about overprice for now. So like Dan said, you're going to get purchase agreements back. You're going to probably have a lot of happier people on the phone because you price their mail and they think it's fair or it is fair or whatever is in their mind. Um, well, let's say you offered $20,000 on some land and it's worth like 27 to 30 or something like that. Like you can think maybe that's a good deal, but at the end of the day, like with our margins in this, like that's probably too little, too little of a margin, to be honest. We want to double our money at that price. So, I mean, you can kind of go into the negotiation process here, Dan, because that's what it's going to happen. We're going to have to negotiate down. Um, it's not the most comfortable conversations, um, but sometimes you just got to be honest. Like, listen, I offered a little more, but you can talk about those conversations a little bit as far as negotiating down, Dan. Yeah, first, um, definitely before you get into these conversations, set your target. What do you want this property at? Um, so if you're 20, like Ron said, and you think you can sell it for 27, what do you want that at? I mean, what's what's going to be the deal breaker? Is it going to, I mean, those those conversations are not fun, but you need to have your price in mind. These are extremely valuable. Being able to ne negotiate down is a very, very valuable thing. And I keep meeting with our salesman on this and he talks about how he doesn't like those conversations. He doesn't mind them, but he just says those aren't the most comfortable conversations is I think how he put it. And they're not. You're calling someone to take back your original offer. Um, so the first thing I would do, yeah, so come up with your target price. Then maybe um, I would definitely be honest with them on the phone. Um, just say, hey, listen, I, I really just overpriced this or I however you want to word it. I would be honest with them. And a lot of times at first, they're going to be taken back. And that's normal. Um, but I think you guys would be surprised how many people are going to be okay with taking less money. I'm always surprised. It always surprises me. I think we had one last week. Um, and our salesman said we originally offered 44,000. We went back at 20,000 and he kept saying, is that our minimum? Uh, right after we offered 20, the first thing they said is, would you take 30? So that took 14 off right there. And then he asked, would you take 30? I said, no, stick to 20. And he's like, yeah, I should be getting the PA at 20. Um, so that's what I'm going to say. I think you guys would be surprised. Also try to find out if you have any, get, can get more ammo. So you're kind of going in here just saying I overpriced this with nothing. But if if there's some if there's any defects or anything wrong with the property or it's extremely sloped or um, what maybe half of it's wet, just check all that stuff too. Um, the more ammo you have in sales, the better. So the more information, do a little bit of your due diligence. If this is if you already have a PA, I would say. So you have a PA and do more due diligence. I would say make sure you know you're not gonna make sure you think you're gonna sell it at twenty seven. Have your target price call them back and negotiate down with using ammo, um, whatever it is. Half this land's wet. I can't offer 
you know, 20,000 anymore because of that. Um, to be honest, I'm just overpriced here. The most I can offer is $11,000. And I understand if you want to walk from that, but if, if you're comfortable moving forward, we can get this closed next week or something like that. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. Honestly, I just get as much ammo as possible, call them back, be honest, and just go from there. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that's really good. And, uh, so when it's overpriced, the whole mailer is typically overpriced and you're going to get some purchase agreements back with some defected land, or maybe it does something's just off. Um, and the ones Dan was talking about, as far as us negotiation, negotiating, we priced correctly, but it was just bad land or the land wasn't great. Um, we're, we're negotiating right now, one down from 155,000 down to, I think we're trying to get down to 60 and it sounds like there is a possibility. Um, the land has some real issues with it. Uh, and those, those are a little easier when you just overprice a mailer and the person knows that it's a good deal. Like that, that's a tough conversation or that when the person knows it's good land, like you don't have anything bad to say about it. You just gotta be upfront, like Dan said, and just be honest. Like, listen, I overpriced this. If you want to move forward, I can offer 15,000 and we can close this next week. If not, I completely understand. I apologize for that. If anything changes, let me know. Um, so that, that's when it's a little more difficult when you don't have that ammo, I think, Dan, um, I haven't had those conversations as much as you. Um, but I, I, everyone can say ideally, like you price correctly, but, uh, you want to get into lower underpricing again. So let's say we have an entire mailer underpriced. Yeah. And last thing I want to add on that overpriced is just, I would act like, you know, um, act, honestly act like you don't care because at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It happens all the time. You're going to have this conversation, then walk away and forget about it. Um, and you'd be surprised with how many come. So I would just, you know, don't act like this. It's not the end of your life. Like it's really not a big deal. So just kind of act like that. Don't act desperate. Um, yeah, let's talk about underpriced now. So in general, if you're underpriced, you're not getting as many calls and you're probably getting a lot more hate calls. Um, but say you do get a couple, I mean, with those hate calls, what do you, do you spend much time on them if you're underpriced? If you know you're significantly underpriced, that's the only time I'd really spend time maybe on hate calls. But other when you're priced correctly or overpriced, I mean, obviously do not spend time on hate calls, right, Ron? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, when you're underpriced, those hate calls are going to be a little more, let's say you're priced at like 10% of market value, like extremely underpriced. You're going to have to deal with the, to dig up deals from that mailer and not just have it be a wasted mailer. You're going to have to deal with some angry people, in my opinion. Um, and and there, you have so much room to work there. Let's say that's $40,000 land and you're offering 10%, you're offering $4,000. Like you add another 10000 to that, who knows what's going to happen. I'm not saying go in and do that. Go and engage our interest and just ask them, like, do you have a price you're willing to sell for? Is it just you're not, you don't want to sell your land at all? Um, and that's the main thing is trying to get a price from them. Then they might say, who knows? They might say, yeah, I just $10,000 and I'll sell it. That's still two and a half times that 4,000 they got offered. And that's why they're so angry, but you can still make $30,000 on it. So you need to talk. It's going to be a lot of, it's, I think the biggest thing with pricing mailers wrong, like there's deals there, but the conversations are more difficult on both sides of it. Like these conversations are more difficult because you got to deal with really angry people, um, and on the other side, obviously, you got to talk people down. But that that's the main thing, I think, is being more willing to talk to them. If you're answering the phones yourself, it's not as difficult because you're going to be talking to them anyways. 
Um, if you have a call service, you're going to get some notes from the call service saying they were really angry or this. I, I If you know you underpriced it, Dan, I, I would call pretty much everyone back, to be honest. If you really want to dig up some deals, if you're fine just uh, blowing it over and maybe you get a purchase agreement and get a home run deal because you price so cheap, great. Um, but there's a good chance like you might not get any deals if you just sit back there and wait for the people who say, yes, I want to sell at your price. Yeah. And that might happen where you get, where you get these, um, you dig up some, or you just get PAs without negotiating. Like that's happened to us before. And you get one killer deal. Maybe you sent 5,000 mailers, maybe you get one killer deal back and then all the rest are hate calls like that. That does make it worth it. It's not really our business model, but you could do that. Every single deal that comes in is going to be a killer deal. Um, but like Ron said, if you're, if you want to dig up deals and really spend time, maybe you're sending 20,000 mailers a month, though. It might not be worth your time to call these people back and dig it up. But if you're newer, um, I'm trying to think, yeah, just I, I from a sales perspective, I'd rather be overpriced than underpriced, to be honest, because you're going to at least get the calls. You're going to get more leads. And people, honestly, that are willing to accept 50,000 are sometimes likely to, you know, except 30,000 as well. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is you would be surprised. Do not be afraid to negotiate down on these. But in terms of being underpriced, you have to do some digging. You're going to get a lot less calls. And the problem is the people who are interested in selling, but you're just way too far off, usually aren't calling because of that. Um, those people aren't going to call. So being underpriced is not, I, I don't like that. The most of the hate calls are going to call you whether you're at 10% or, or 40%, honestly, like those hate calls are calling you. They're pissed off. You sent them mail. They have, you know, they're proud landowners, whatever their situation is. Um, but I mean, if you are underpriced and you like the area, don't be afraid to hit it again at a higher percentage once you know, because you already know that area a little bit, you know, the price is a little stronger now adjust your price and resend the mail and and see what comes back that's always an option as well but that's really all i have for for this ron anything else you want to talk about no i think that was good short and sweet um get some good information it's gonna happen guys that's the main thing that i want to hit like you can go sit in price for a month i don't care work on one mailer for a month you're going to overprice things at one point and you're going to underprice things at one point like you just there's not enough data out there for you to do it perfectly so uh, just have that in the back of your mind when you're pricing, like don't have this conversation or this podcast scare you guys in any way. It shouldn't at all. That's not what it's meant for. It's meant to be constructive and how to deal with it when it happens, because it is going to happen if you're successful in this business. Yep. It happens to us. It happened like it, it didn't happen to us for a long time. And then recently, like Ron said, it's happened to us. But luckily it happened to us <laughs> because we now have salesmen in place who are calling these back instead of Ron and I. So you know, it's so easy for me to sit back here and say, yeah, get this at 20,000. And we offered 44, like I said before, if that was me calling, like, ah, can we get 28 maybe or 30 and see how high we can go? But now it's like, he comes back to me. He's like, can we go any higher? And I'm like, no, stand your ground or whatever it is. And you'd be surprised. Like, I feel like having that person, like maybe detaching yourself from the salesperson and just viewing it from an, you know, a third party is really important. Like having, having me here telling our salesman, stick at 20, stick at 20. And I feel like you can kind of do that yourself is really be realistic and take a step back and view it from a third party and kind of tell yourself, act as if you're your sales boss or whatever that is. That's all the advice I have for this episode. Hope you guys got some value information from here. Thanks again for joining. Visit landinvestingonline.com to join our free discord where Ron and I are involved. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. It means a lot to us guys. 
We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks for joining. Thanks, guys.